Have you ever been that person who feels so alone in your pain and you hide it because what would people think? And yet you want, we all want, to be seen, heard, and understood. And knowing that's true, what would it look like to say yes to ourselves? And what would being brave look like then? You're listening to Frau Amy's World, episode number 13. Ooh, powerful number for a powerful subject. This podcast presents conversation with and for real-life creatives on how we find and keep walking our unique paths. I'm your host, Amy Hallberg. Welcome to my world. Today, I'm talking with my fellow former school teacher, Amy Bernier. Like me, Amy learned a lot of lessons by forcing herself to stay on the job and a lot of lessons from leaving. I think of you as a spiritual storyteller, but you have told me that you are a translator. So tell me about that. So when I grew up, I felt like I was always surrounded by geniuses. And everybody, I always felt I had this insane, and I'll think about, this is primarily high school. And it was true. Like everybody was a genius. It was definitely, definitely true. But I kind of put myself in the not a genius category. So (laughs) I always felt like I was trying to more, more clearly understand the people around me. And I found that, you know, asking questions was the key, not from a place of what's the answer, tell me the answer, but more from a place of I'm curious as to how you learn and how you perceive the world. And it's really just stuck because what I realized is people think and learn and perceive the world in a variety of different ways. And I found that I can't make assumptions about how other people perceive the world. So in order for me to be sure that, you know, myself and the person that I was talking to were on the same page, I just became a really curious listener, intrigued listener that was always, you know, trying to understand more about who I was talking to and how they lived, how they thought, how they created. And it kind of turned to something more. I mean, I became a public school teacher and it really, it served and it was also a double-edged sword. (laughs) So, and this often happens, right? People go into helping professions because they want to help, they want to understand And yet we don't always take good care of ourselves in the middle of that. So do you want to talk about that? Sure. About not taking care of myself. Or how that, how that teaching (laughs) was a double-edged sword. How was it a double-edged sword? Sure. Actually, you know, what I was thinking of when I was saying that was, you know, me asking questions, just being a naturally curious and passionate person has, is that in and of itself in my life has been a double-edged sword. You know, I can, tell you that asking questions in order to be clear in a faculty meeting, depending upon the confidence level of your, your leadership, um, (laughs) I think that I plummeted my career unknowingly in a couple of different situations because I asked questions. It's funny because I've taught a lot of different grades. I taught a lot of different subjects. So I've rarely have I taught the same thing two years in a row. So what does that mean from my point of view? I am always learning about what it is that I'm teaching. 
and I've taught in a lot of different places. So understanding the culture and how does this culture present information and how do they want it done? I was always trying to keep my finger on the pulse of doing it the way they wanted me to. And there's a double-edged sword in that as well. And what I found was that my desire for clarity and understanding so that I could in the best way possible present the information the way my bosses and leadership wanted me to was somehow perceived as questioning, and this is upon hindsight, of course, was somehow Mm -hmm. perceived as questioning the authority, questioning decision-making skills, questioning all of these things when I was really just a new teacher in a new school, teaching a new subject in a new grade and wanted to do the best possible job. So I wanted to make sure that I was clear in what was expected of me. Never for one second was I trying to sabotage or blow up anybody's authority ever because in more than one circumstance I was targeted and I could never understand why and it's this hindsight being 2020 and actually you know understanding more thoroughly that not everyone feels that asking questions is a powerful it is a powerful thing to do but I couldn't connect that with why someone was coming in my classroom every day and basically telling me I was doing everything wrong it was this really fucked up cycle of, um, I hope that's okay that I said that on your podcast. It's okay. Cause we're not teachers um, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was this really fucked up cycle of me trying to please my bosses mm-hmm. and never, ever getting that done and always being treated with like disdain and disrespect. And the people pleasing part of me was like crushed every day to the point where it was affecting my physical health. Yeah. Um, to the point where I was questioning who I was and my value in this system that I had been working in for at least a handful of years by the time I had this particular experience that I have in my mind. You know, it, it planted so many seeds of doubt that even now when I go to talk about, you know, my experiences and my beliefs around teaching, I find myself sometimes like internally getting really scared that I'm going to get in trouble and say the wrong thing. And right. <laughs> that's you know, a so very I want to ask you about that, Amy. I sure. mean, sir, you know, when people aren't ready to face truths, they're not prepared to adapt. They're not necessarily comfortable with truth tellers, right? So that's your biggest weakness. But for you coming out of this, that's also your biggest strength, right? Biggest weakness, shadow of greatest strength. Mm-hmm. And for you, this thing that got you into so much trouble and led you out of teaching and your body invited you very strongly to go, mm-hmm. which, to which I relate. You and I have talked about this. We, have, we share that experience. Mm-hmm. You've turned that into a sacred practice, of listening to people who want that perspective from you. Can you talk about that when you're listening to people and you're asking them these questions? I mean, I've seen you do this. You're really tapping into something very deep when you do that. What, why are you doing that? Asking people the questions. Why does that bring you joy? Wow. I just had a really like tears in my eyes, emotional response to that question. Thank you for asking it. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) uh, Insight into self. Um, Well, what I really, I've had intense experiences in my life of not feeling seen, of not feeling heard, of not feeling understood. And very much so in that teaching 
instance, and it's happened a couple of times, like that wasn't the lone experience, you know, coming out of that experience, I still thought I, I did something wrong, right? Loud. I allowed someone with, who was a bully. And what I perceived was a lot of power to tell me I was wrong. And I believed them. I made that mistake of believing them. And so I very intensely had that experience of feeling like I'm being clear and sharing information and doing what I've been asked and listening and following through and doing the work. And then literally thinking I've worked so hard on this lesson plan or whatever it is that I'm now having to submit because I'm deemed a probationary teacher or whatever, and then have somebody look at it or come into my classroom and just blanket be like wrong. Like I know what it feels like to desire to do the right thing, to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And then to repeatedly, and not just in my teaching life, it's happened in my personal life too. You know, the things that we're strongest at is like the thing that we've suffered with the most. I just know that feeling so intimately. And I remember being an 18 year old kid or no 20 year old kid in college being broken up with. And feeling like no one understood the depth of my grief. They didn't. They really didn't understand the depth of my grief. And being alone in that experience. And I really made the promise to myself at that point. I was ashamed of the experience of the breakup and, you know, dating someone with an alcohol problem and just the length of time I stayed and all that. Those are things that I felt so much shame around. Yet, what I realized And what I told myself was that if me telling my truth, my story around this situation or any situation for that matter could help someone else not feel the aloneness that I felt when I was suffering, that I would 100% be willing to stand up and say what I needed to say because I didn't feel it was necessary for anybody to feel that way. But had somebody said, Amy, I know what it's like to be in an emotionally abusive relationship. I know what it feels like to feel the depth of loss. Even like that could have changed my whole perception of what, you know, my falling apart life at that moment was like. And I saw the power in telling the truth. And that's all like when I ask people questions and I listen deeply, I remember. And when I interact with any human being, Mm -hmm. the likelihood that that person is being seen, heard and understood on a regular basis is unfortunately low, you know, Mm -hmm. and in, in this generation of Overconnectedness through technology, there is actually a correlation with the feelings of extreme disconnectedness. And really, what it takes is presence, is being with someone, even if that's just words on a screen over a Facebook Messenger. Yeah. And being with someone and asking questions and being curious and really being genuinely interested in someone. Holy mm-hmm. shit, it doesn't take that much work to change someone's life. And Amy, you've done this in your, so you're talking about technology. Let's talk about Facebook because one of the ways that I, like I said, I I see you as a spiritual storyteller, but what I mean by that is you would show up on Facebook and be like, I'm feeling horrible. This thing happened. You've got tears streaming down your face. and You're like, this is how I'm showing. I've also seen you where you're just so joyful and you're sharing all of it. And you you preface this is you've turned this into your brand. Your business is centered around two things: be brave 
and say yes, Amy, which <laughs> which has been a really powerful thing. And a lot of people come and they've responded really positively to this thing that you've been doing. I mean, can you talk about that? Sure. The say yes, Amy is kind of my hashtag for who I am now. And that's because when I realized that I had been saying yes to everyone else my entire life and doing things for other people. And actually, you know, I never questioned it. I never learned how to do for myself, be for myself, show up for myself. And I really thought that happiness was connected to making other people happy. Mm -hmm. And it took this chronic back pain. It took this situation I was referring to working in the inner city in Fall River, Mass., before I had my aha moment, as I was face down on the floor in debilitating pain, where I realized like this was all happening for me because I wasn't going to stop saying yes to anyone else. And my body gave me the gift of having to say yes to myself and say no to everyone else. And when I realized that saying yes had multiple meanings in my life, I really felt that learning the lesson of saying yes to myself and saying no to others was one of the most powerful things I could do for myself. And like a fish out of water, never having said no, you know, really, it was an experience that I had to be thrust into, as opposed to one I would have chosen for myself. Yeah. And um, that's yeah. where the say yes came from. And what it really has evolved into is every time you choose to say yes to yourself. And remember the implied saying, there's an implied saying no to something else that doesn't fit for you. Uh-huh. Uh, whether it's a relationship, a job, an experience, a workout, a song on the radio, like we're talking saying yes to yourself starts very, very small, especially if you're in the habit and the, the lifestyle, if you will, of saying yes to others. These small yeses to you can really has a huge ripple effect. As you start writing that yes for yourself, it really turns into and is, you know, really aligned with and one and the same as being brave. Because to stand in who you are and to say yes to yourself, for yourself, on behalf of yourself, because that's actually the most fucking important thing. Like everything else ripples out from there. Mm -hmm. You have to be brave. And what I see is on social media, especially is, you know, it's just, I'm saying social media because it's so prevalent, you know, it's in our pockets all the time. It's the source of, you know, so much turmoil, I believe in ourselves and kind of an addiction to comparisonitis and then getting off, you know, the screen and being like, well, my life is crap, you know? Okay. Can we talk about that? Because you had an experience this week where you were like, you are being very intentional. Yes. You're being on social media, but you're being really intentional about how you do it. And this week you had an experience where you showed up on social media, you put something out there that, that, that kind of, what, it was a little edgy for you. It was super edgy for me. And And then you deleted it. And I totally, and then you were like, wait, wait, wait. And so you called yourself on it because I saw the post where you're like, I deleted it. I'm afraid you're going to judge me, but here it is. And you like, you called yourself on it and you showed up. It was, yeah. What was that like for you? Um, It's kind of a way of life at this point. (laughs) I really have, you know, I really have a disdain 
Um, and maybe disdain isn't the right word because that's just so super judgy, but like, I'm sick and tired. Well, let's get, let's get real. Right. I am so sick and tired of people believing that in order to be valuable and to be perceived as valuable as a business owner, as a healer, as a coach, as a mom, as just a human being, that you somehow have to look perfect and you have to have the perfect family and you have to have the perfect job. And like, you have to have all of this perfection. And in fact, like it's taken to another level when you're a business owner as like myself and marketing gets involved. There's this idea that, you know, I got to have the perfect makeup. I got to have the perfect hair. I got to have the perfect body. Like I have to have the perfect clothes. I have to have the perfect boyfriend or husband. I have to have the perfect kids. I have to have the perfect house. I have to have the perfect car. I have to have the perfect dog, like, and on and on. Where does that end? Where does that even, I mean, my gosh, I'm getting dizzy just hearing you talk about that, Amy. (laughs) Right. Well, it doesn't, if we don't, if we don't stop it and you know, this really does go back to my 18 year old self being like, if someone, just one person had just been able to say, I understand where you are right now. And I know that it's hard. Not I'm going to make it better. Not I'm going to fix it. Not like do these five things and pay me this amount of money. And then you'll have the result that you want. Like, no, all I really needed was somebody to to understand. And even then I did have a friend who didn't understand, but she was willing to be with me in my experience. So I have a theory on what you've just been talking about. Do tell. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So we creatives create, you know, you'll know this, all the things, all, all the things. And it's really a way of not putting ourselves out there and not following our greatest dreams. And you've talked about how your body broke down and was like, basically, fuck that. Yep. (laughs) And you have cleared out a lot of people, a lot of situations, and you basically picked up everything and moved across the country and started a whole new life for yourself and are basically doing what everybody else, oh, I could only, I, I would do this if only, if only, if only. You've basically done that. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody who feels like there's a creative calling or there's something inside them that wants to come out, but they're so afraid of destroying their lives. They're so afraid of making the wrong decisions. And they have that list running in their head, that exhausting list that you were describing that, like I said, just, yeah. What would you say to that person? Well, you can either choose and start taking a step now or you can be put through the fucking ringer and then be forced to do it. Like, you know, where you put, you you know, when I I moved across the country and I resigned from my job and I had surgery after, you know, having chronic back pain and I've had these, what one might consider brave, you know, milestones, dun, 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 or triumphs or whatever you want to call it. And the truth is by the time I actually did the thing, I was suffering in some way so much that there really, it didn't really feel like a choice. It felt like I had to do it. So (laughs) I think that there is so much power and even just acknowledging, like, I think that there's more for me. Like, I think I'm meant to do something else and ask the question and then just see what happens 
Like, I don't think that you have to move across the country. I don't think that you need to resign from your job. I don't think you need to do these things. I think that I did because like I said, like my tolerance for suffering is really, really high. So Mm -hmm. like the universe literally needs to like, like school teachers are known for that. Let us suffer some more. Oh, please. Right. Like (laughs) come in and like pummel me. Like at this point, like that was how my journey needed to go. Why? Because that's how it, that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. And each time I learned, like, and I say my tolerance for suffering and pain is like high, but every time I learned something new about myself, I realized like that I knew that I was in pain way before, you know, before it turned into, you know, I can't get off the floor. Like there are signs in your body, you know, that this doesn't feel right this feels uncomfortable that honestly I had made a practice of, of suppressing and pushing down and not listening to as a life practice. Like I was basically thinking I was wrong all the time. And then it started to show up as an external experience in my life. And I needed to learn this way in order to realize that I can say no to everybody and be all by myself with my dog in the middle of the mountains and that's okay. And when when did you know that you were going to be okay? When, I mean, I understand it's always a practice of becoming, Mm -hmm. but this way of life of asking the questions and letting them guide you, when did you feel like you had really start to embody that practice? Is there a moment that you can share? You know, what really pops to mind is, you know, I went back into teaching after I had back surgery, after the whole experience that I just told you about. Like I said, I got, I I got super fit. I got into mindfulness and yoga and all sorts of things because I thought, you know, I made, I didn't have the coping skills. Like I thought my coping skills were just bad ones, you know, smoking and drinking and, you know. (laughs) working out intensely or not at all were pretty much my coping mechanisms. And so I thought that I needed this new skill set in order to make, be okay teaching. And I had learned mindfulness techniques and then this art of questioning as well. And I started bringing it into the school I was substitute teaching in. I moved, had surgery, then had to go back into substitute teaching for a year before I could actually get what, 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 was to be, which I didn't know at the time was to be my last year of teaching. Um, And there were all these mindfulness skills that I was learning. I was learning that upset actually, like I could choose to be upset. I could not choose to be upset. Like I could choose to pay attention to how my body was feeling or not. And it was when you're in pain, because the pain did resurface in a different way after I had back surgery, not as severely, but it did happen. And I dove into mindfulness because I was like, there's something here. Because when I'm around people that are overwhelmed, when I'm around people that are negative, my back hurts. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this, had this experience. I learned, you know, when you learn something that changes your life, you want to share it. You don't want to keep it to yourself. So after school, I was teaching these mindfulness strategies that I learned to a group of teachers and I remember a teacher staying after class and, and saying, like, God, you're like literally the most positive person I've ever met. 
you know, you've had all of these things happen and you're so, so positive. <sighs> and um, it was at that moment that I realized that I hadn't been intentionally practicing mindfulness in a while. It wasn't a thought process in my brain anymore. I was just, I had internalized all the things that I learned. And mm. it was like, this is now part of who I am. Uh, and it's just grown from there. You know, you know, I feel like you started to ask at first, like, when did you know you were going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I still don't know. You know, like I'm still trusting and trusting and trusting and trusting because there's so much unknown ahead of me. But there's uh, something in me that tells me I'm supposed to help and lead millions of people. And so I'm just trying to do the next right thing um, and see how it feels. And when it doesn't feel like a yes anymore, then I kind of see what evolves from that. You know, it's, I don't think there's a one and done. Like I have, I was, I've been waiting for that arrival for a really long time. I think we arrive when we're dead. (laughs) Yeah. And then we're like, Oh, can I do that again? Like, (laughs) so I'm just choosing more fully today than I did yesterday to trust because to think that I have something figured out, like I'm still learning. And I think like that, leads back to the Facebook posts and the crying and the happy and the sharing of the joy and things is, you know, it's important to know that like, we're the same, like whether you know, mindfulness and yoga and all that crap that I know, like doesn't actually matter. Like we're humans going through an experience of emotions and trials and tribulations. And I don't want like the truth and vulnerability is where the connection lies. You don't connect deeply with someone that you perceive as perfect because you don't think you can ever meet them there. And the truth is you can't because it's a lie anyway. (laughs) So let's stop fucking lying and just start Mm -hmm. telling the truth so that you can see that we're the same and anything that I can do, you can do as well. And it's okay if you're having a breakdown and it's okay if you're happy and it's okay all of all the in-between things it's okay and together Mm -hmm. you know we move forward it's not an alone it's not a game of alone just me myself and I it's it's all of us and we're never alone exactly thank you Amy you're welcome thanks for visiting Frau Amy's world today's episode featured Amy Bernier and her podcast launches in the near future, Being Brave with Amy Bernier. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please check out the links in my show notes. You can subscribe to this podcast, share it, leave a comment so people can find us, and I welcome donations to help me continue this work. Please and thank you for your support of all kinds. You can learn more about me at CourageousWordsmith.com. I'm Amy Hallberg, and until we meet again travel safely.